0: Everybody, to Proverbs chapter 18, Proverbs chapter 18, so we continue our Power of One series, there we're going to talk about the power of words, and I don't know about you, but words are incredibly powerful things. Words can create, they can destroy. Words can minister encouragement, words can minister discouragement. Words can build up, and words can tear down words can bring hope and words can take away hope words have this amazing ability to do a lot of different things language is powerful like language connects us to each other language connects us to god like language is extremely powerful so words are powerful and i, I could actually say that you are who you are today based off the power of words like maybe like I'm in ministry because somebody recognized something in me and they spoke to affirm that call. Even though it was inside, it was the words that affirmed and confirmed that to take me where I'm today and there were words that were spoken over me or to me that encouraged me along the way. Words also have the ability to create or start a marriage, but also words have the power to destroy a marriage. Words have the ability to change destinies and futures. Some of you in this room are the byproduct of the words maybe your parents spoke over you. Maybe they said some things that were positive. Maybe they spoke things into your life. Maybe they encouraged you. Maybe they they created an atmosphere of positivity with words that led you to believe you could do and be anything you wanted to do or be. Or maybe you're in a household where words weren't so positive. Maybe it was negativity and you had words spoken over you that you would never be enough, that you would never accomplish this, or you could never do this, or you could never do that. And you've led your life living with those words echoing in the back of your mind. Words are powerful. And I think in our day and age where there's so many words going all over the place on social media and on the news and radio and podcasts and Spotify and conversation, all all these words are going forth. I think we lose sight of the fact that just because there's more quantity... That does not mean the quality should decrease. And the quality of our words will determine the futures we live in. Like you're literally living out the words that you're lived by or you agreed with or you've spoken or had spoken over your life. The reason your mouth is in front of you is because you follow the direction of the words you speak. Like your, your words, your mouth's not in the back of your head. Your word, your mouth is in the front because as you speak, you follow those words. And so to understand where your life or what the direction of your life is, you have to understand the power of words. It says this in Proverbs 18. It says death and life, everybody say death and life, death and life. are in the power of the tongue your mouth your words the spoken words and those who love it will eat its fruits which means there's life and death in your tongue but there's also the fruit from your mouth the words that you speak you're going to eat you're going to live off those words so if your your mouth is full of all this power power for life and power for death and as you speak the words you speak become the food you eat so as you speak words, you're going to eat those words. In your marriage, when you speak words to your spouse, promise, I promise you will eat those words. With your kids, when you speak to them, how you speak to them and what you speak, you will eat the fruit of those words. Even about yourself, the words you speak... Become the fuel for your life that produced either life or death. And if we don't understand the power of words, we'll get caught up in the world living and speaking like the world. And the Bible is full of encouragement and commandments on how a believer should talk. And if we were deeply honest, myself included, many of us fall to default to speak like the world more than we do heaven. We get caught up in the, the critical nature of the world. We, maybe sometimes we get caught up in the negativity of the world. We get caught up in the frustrations in the world. We get caught up in all these things in the world. But as a believer, your mouth should be full of life, never death. You never once see Jesus in the Bible speak death over anything or anybody except when he cursed the fig tree. He spoke life into existence. He's a speaking God, and when he speaks, he speaks life because this is the principle. Words are never empty. Every single word we speak is full of something. They are never empty. They are containers just like this water bottle that is never empty. When you speak words, it's like you're pouring out those vessels, and whatever's in those words will come out like they're never empty. Every word you speak is either full of life or full of death. Like That's the principle. Proverbs 18, it's either life or death. Every word, there are no neutral words. I got this in prayer time at a a monastery where Thomas Merton was in Louisville a couple years ago, and it's a silent prayer retreat. And the monks take a vow of silence. The only time they talk is if they need to communicate something important that has to do with work or with God. And so what they've decided to do is cut out all the neutral words, all the vain words, all the words of death, and only have words of life. How much better would your marriage be if you only spoke words of life? How much stronger would your family be if you only spoke words of life? How much stronger would our church be if we only spoke words of life? The world is speaking death, 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 death. When somebody finally shows up and speaks life, they shine a light into the darkness. Your words are powerful. They are containers that carry the power of heaven or hell. And so the container that I'm using, what am I using it for? Because they're so powerful. In Matthew 12, 36, it says this. I tell you, on that day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. So he doesn't say they're neutral words. He calls them careless words because careless words are still full of Something. He says, "...you'll give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned." Meaning some words justify you because they're full of life, some words condemn you because they're full of death. Every word is full of something. When you post on social media, every one of those words is full of something. When you talk to your spouse, it's full of something. When you talk to friends, it's full of something. When you talk about the president, whether it's the past president or the current president, it's full of something. You have to be reminded that your words are never empty. Never. And God has entrusted us with the power to live out those words words. So this is the thing, watch your mouth, because faith is released through your words. Watch your mouth. We tell our kids, we we're actually on this trip to Michigan this week, and one of the, one of the kids, I will not embarrass them, but they kept trying to say a certain word, and I was like, she's cussing. And she wasn't cussing, she's just so country, everything sounds like a cuss word. And it's like, watch out with our kids, watch your mouth, watch your mouth. Don't say that, watch your mouth. But as adults, we need to watch our mouth just as much as our kids do. Because you may not use foul language, but you use death language. And I would say they're probably just as bad. Just because you don't use four-letter words doesn't mean you don't use five-letter words or whatever, six-letter words, whatever's in death, D-E-A-T-H. Five-letter words. Like, you may not cuss at your kids, but if you speak death over your kids, that's just as bad. You may not cuss out your spouse, but if you speak death over your marriage, that's just as bad. Whenever you come to this place where you realize, I need to watch my mouth, because my mouth is not just saying words. My mouth is speaking faith or speaking doubt. So you got to watch it. you got to watch it. So if you were to watch your mouth one whole day, if you put a camera on your mouth, and you watched and listened to every word you said, how would the equation look between life and death words? In you, this scripture I, I, I love to death. It's been one of the scripture I've been leaning on for the past few years. It says this in Second Corinthians: since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and I spoke. Everybody say, I believed, and then I spoke. He actually connects belief and speaking together, and he says, "So we also believe, and so we speak." You have to realize there is a very strong connection between your faith and your words. And I'm not a word of faith guy. I'm not a name it, claim it guy. I'm none of those. But the Bible is very clear. There is a strong connection between your heart and your mouth and between your belief or your faith and the words you speak. He said, I believed, so I spoke. I can't explain it. But every time I read scripture, I see it over and over and over again. So in this case, I believe, so I spoke. So if I believe that God is a life-giving God, I'll speak words of life. But if I don't believe he's a life-giving God, maybe that's why I'm speaking words of death. Because you will speak about whatever's in your heart. That's what's so concerning with the American churches. We don't talk about evangelism anymore. We don't share the gospel anymore. Because we're so consumed with everything else, what is in our heart are worldly things, not heavenly things because whatever's inside of you will come out at some point if you're there long enough if you look at scripture in genesis 1 it starts off god begins to what speak he speaks creation into being Day one, he speaks. Day two, he speaks. Day three, he speaks the mountains into being. He speaks the stars into being. He speaks the sun into being. He speaks the moon into being. He speaks the water into being. He speaks the oceans into being. He speaks that everything you see was not created by hands or by power. It was created by speaking. God believed, so he spoke. What's incredible is the amount of power That God has in His voice. That same voice that radiated over the universe to begin speaking things into being is the same voice He calls us to salvation with. That same voice is the same voice that is in His Word that's illuminated by His Spirit to speak into your life to change it from chaos into order. But what I love about the beauty of Genesis is that God shows the power that He has as He speaks. Speaks that into creation, speaks that into being, speaks that. When he gets to man, he no longer speaks. It says, Let us form man in our image. So God goes from showing his power of his words to the intimacy of a relationship with humans. He doesn't form animals. He doesn't form dogs. He doesn't form cats because we know cats were formed in hell. He, he doesn't form any of the other animals. Doesn't form anything. Like he only forms humans. So whatever your evolution theory is, the reason humans are drastically different from the rest of the entire animal population is not because we evolved faster than other animals or other things. The reason we're different is because everything else was spoken by the power of God. Humans were touched by the soul of God. But it doesn't take away from the power that God has in his voice. He believed, so he... Spoke. So I need to pay attention to the words that I'm speaking because they are creating something. We are made in the image of God, Imago day We're made in this image, so He's given us power. He's given us a mouth and a voice just like He has. And so in my voice, in my tongue, in my mouth is the same power to create that God had. So the words I speak are building the house I'm going to live in in the future. The words you speak now are creating the world you're going to live in, just as God created the same thing. And this is how powerful words are. Romans 10, 9 and 10. These words are, if you can get this today, it's going to change your world. It's, I'm frustrated I may not be able to preach it as well as I want to. Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your what? What? That Jesus Lord and believe in your heart, so He's connecting the mouth and the heart together, He's connecting speaking and believing together, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So we could talk about life and death and the power of your tongue just in normal everyday life. But do you realize your salvation is a byproduct of your voice? You cannot be saved without speaking a confession of salvation. Like, that's how much power. There's so much power, not only does it create life, but it creates new life in Jesus. That as I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth, then I am saved. That you begin your walk with Jesus through speaking a confession about who Jesus is and who you are in him. Like, you begin your walk with Proverbs 18, 21. That there's life and death in the power of my tongue. I'm choosing to confess life. Like, that's how powerful it is. And Jesus continued it by saying it this way. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them and said, have faith in God. Truly I said to you, whoever says, everybody says says. Not whoever thinks this mountain should move. Not whoever believes or, or meditates or, 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 or just imagines the mountain moving. Whoever says. To the mountain, be taken up and thrown in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, what he says, what he says, will come to pass, and it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received. Again, he's connecting, asking and believing together. There is so some connection between the belief in your heart and the ask in your mouth. I don't know how we are created for that connection to be there, but your salvation is connected to that. He even says here that your prayer, that there's no such thing as an unspoken prayer request. The only prayers that you can pray are vocal prayers that you speak out loud for the mountains in your life to hear. It's a powerful thing. This this scripture right here is a powerful thing because Jesus walking in Jerusalem He walks in. This is when he turns over the tables of the temple. He sees the fig tree. He cursed the fig tree because he went to the fig tree. He wanted to get a fig. He gets to it. The the leaves are green. It looked great. But when he got to it, he dug a little deeper found there was no figs. So Jesus cursed the fig tree because the fig tree was trying to show that it was fruitful, but it had no fruit. So the fig tree was a, a symbol or resemblance of the religious spirit that the people in the temple had that it looked like they were religious, it looked like they were fruitful, but when you dig a little bit deeper, there was no fruit attached. So Jesus cursed the fig tree. But then he goes into this whole thing about the power of words and this mountain and that mountain. Some of you have mountains in your life that aren't moved because you haven't spoken yet. You have to watch your mouth because the words are releasing faith in your life. But you also have to realize that you're going to empower the words you agree with. You will empower the words you agree with. But, you know, there's words all the time. I've had prophetic words. Years ago, Toya was sick. and She was really, really sick. She had Gillings beret. Like, at first I thought it was a stroke. She was in a wheelchair. Had a very loving lady come to the church. Didn't know me, didn't really know Toya. She told me, Sh- I have a word for your wife. I said, oh, okay, well, she's not here. Well, I'll give it to you. You can give it to her. And the word was pretty much, you need to get up out of that wheelchair. You, people are depending on you. And I was like, Whoa. I I don't receive that, and I'm definitely not going to tell my wife to get up out of a wheelchair. I didn't agree with it. See, people can speak words over your life, and they fall to dead ground as long as you don't agree with them. But if you hold on to them, they'll stick with you forever. Some of you know, you hear this, this is a word for some of you. Some of you had moms and dads that spoke death over your life. And the words would fall to the ground if you would just finally let go of those words. Because the only words that you empower in your life are the words you agree with. People can say anything about you. People can talk bad about you. People can slander you. They can gossip about you. It doesn't make a difference unless you agree with them and hold on to them. Like there is power in agreement. Scripture is full, full Full of the power of agreement. It says this in Matthew 18. Again, I ask if two of you agree, touch and agree on earth about anything, and they what? Ask. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So again, he's connecting belief and asking, but the power is in the agreement. And so anytime we pray, and so what do we end our prayers with? The word, Amen. Amen has become such just a It's a period on my prayers. But the word amen actually means let it be so. It means I agree with what was just said. So when I say amen to something, what it's saying is I agree with that. I'll hold on to that. So if somebody gives me a prophetic word and, and they say this. If I say amen, I receive that. It means I agree with that. Now I'm going to empower that in my life. Some of y'all say amen to way too much stuff. Years ago, at, we had a, a, this guy at our church. Literally, he would try to finish the words of our pastor. So, pastor be preaching, he would try to finish the words, and it was always wrong. He would say amen to the dumbest stuff, like pastor be preaching like, and you know, something about being dead or being in the grave. And the guy would be like, amen. It's like, no, that's not good. Like, you amen the good stuff. You don't amen the bad stuff. Some of you are amening so much stuff that you're holding on and empowering words that do not produce fruit. You need to watch what you say amen to. Because what you agree with, you empower. Some of that may be words that you've heard preach. Some of that may be words people have spoken over you. Some of it may be words that you speak to yourself. They did some research. They found out that 50,000 words are spoken over ourselves each day by ourselves. Throughout the day, you have 50,000 thoughts or words you speak over yourself. And out of those, 80% are negative. 80% are negative. There's this phrase called the power of the third word, which is basically this, I am blank. And whatever fills that third word, because you're saying I am, you're confessing and agreeing with that word, you empower. For some of you, though, you're echoing the words that other people have spoken over you. You're echoing words that people, maybe an ex-spouse spoke over you, Maybe you're echoing the words that your mom or your dad spoke of you or an employer who fired you and said you were terrible, you couldn't ever accomplish anything. You have these words that are radiating and echoing in your mind and you keep speaking those words. You say things like, I am unqualified. I am not enough. I am unlovable. I am a failure. I am miserable. I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. One of my things I hate about AA is they always get you confessing the past. I am an alcoholic. No, you're not. Quit agreeing with that and empowering that. You echo the words of men or you echo the words of God. I am an overcomer. I am a generational chain breaker. I am the head, not the tail. I am blessed and I am not cursed. I have the mind of Christ. My mind is being renewed in Christ. You have to start confessing what you agree with you in power. And some of you need to get back to agreeing with God's word. The one thing that detriments believers so much, if you don't read the words, you have nothing to agree with. You're, you're empty. You have nothing to agree with. So you agree with, grab on, and say amen to anything that's said or anything that's spoken and leads you with a life that's leading towards death and not life. What words are you agreeing with? Man, see, I, I was sharing, I was preaching Wednesday night in, in this church. Let's share at the end just a story of, of kind of my upbringing, just a little short story of it. And I was thinking about that this week that, man, I had so many negative words spoken over my life, my family. Just words of negativity, words of death, words of destruction, words, just words, words, words. And I realized that the only reason I made it through was not because those words fell to the ground, it's because I had somebody who spoke little words of life and I decided to agree and grab onto those. There was two of them. So my mom was one that was just a very negative person growing up, dealt with her own own struggles, her own demons, all that stuff. And so she used me as kind of like the the releasing point. When I was in middle school or in high school, 15, 16 years old, God brought another woman who became like a spiritual mother to me. And she began to speak life over me. It was almost like God was saying, I'm going to replace this with this. And then God brought Toya into my life when I was struggling with my own self-fulfilling prophecies of I'm broken, I'm I'm just like my dad. I'm just like my mom. I'm, I'm all the. I started repeating those things, and even I brought Toy into my life to speak something different. You need to do an audit of your mind and discover what words are you holding on to that you're agreeing with, that you're empowering to produce something in your life. And the last. But not least, don't listen to yourself, prophesy to yourself. Don't listen to yourself, prophesy to yourself. So everybody has words that radiate through their minds. But the more you listen to those words, the stronger and louder those words get. And so you have to come to a point where you stop listening to those words and you start empowering other words because what you say is more important than what you listen to. Because what you say comes out of the belief. What you listen to, you can stop. And a good old New King James version of scripture says this Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears, and let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. So either the Bible's telling you to lie to yourself or the Bible's telling you to prophesy over yourself. Because when I'm weak, I don't really feel strong. The Bible doesn't ask you about your feelings. The Bible asks you what God said. You may feel weak, but what's the Bible say? The Bible says you are strong. You are an overcome. Gideon felt weak, felt powerless, but God said you're a mighty man of God. See, we get caught up in our feelings, and God ignores your feelings and says, no, no, I need you to prophesy over yourself. See, you see this throughout the Bible. Even in Genesis 1, we talked about creation theory just a second ago. Even in Genesis 1, it says, verse 1, that the universe was without form and void. means it was chaos. It was without anything. So God is looking down from heaven, and he sees chaos. He sees disorder. He sees void. He sees blackness. He sees nothing. He sees all this stuff. But as he sees the chaos, as he sees the disorder, he doesn't speak chaos, he doesn't speak disorder, he doesn't speak brokenness, he doesn't speak darkness, he speaks, let there be light. God spoke opposite of what he actually saw. Some of you may see things in your life, but you need to learn to start speaking to some things in your life. You may see disorder in your life, but you need to start speaking some promises. In your life. You may see brokenness in your life. You may see addiction in your life, but you need to learn to start speaking that even though I feel a certain way, this is what God says. See, praise focuses our perspective on God's ability. Like when we worship we praise, we're changing our focal point from here to there. I'm changing it from being about me and my life, my problems, my needs, my frustrations, my failures, my mistakes, my sin, and I'm changing my focal point. Look at his goodness, his perfection, his beauty. It changes my focal point. So praise changes your focal point to God's ability, but prophesying begins to speak God's ability. You're not called to to speak your ability. You're called to prophesy God's ability. Some of you need to quit depending on your own abilities and your own strengths and your own weaknesses and start speaking God's. You may be weak, but you know who God uses? The weak people. God doesn't need strong people. Strong people put all their faith in themselves. God needs some people to say, I am weak, but I am Strong. This is not faith, name it, claim it. This is scriptural that if there's something going on in you, and I'm not saying, I've heard people say, Man, I feel like I'm, I'm getting a cold. Pastor, don't confess that. <laughs> well, you know, this is going on, or I got this prayer thing. Oh, Pastor, don't. No, no. That's called ignorance, that's denying reality. We're not talking about denying reality. We're talking about proclaiming God's reality. See, the difference is this. You can't ask for healing until you confess that you're sick. So if you're over here just saying, well, you know, Pastor, don't confess it. You know, I'm, I, I'm not sick. I'm healed. That's, that's great. But you can't come to Jesus until you acknowledge something's wrong. Some of you need to realize you're so religious You can't even pray because you won't take your burdens to Jesus because you're so busy trying to let people know that you don't have any burdens. Some of you are so busy trying to let people know you're not weak that you can't ever prophesy over yourself because you're so full of your own strength that you'll never acknowledge you're weak. You have to know you're weak before you can say, I'm strong. Like There's power in that. When you prophesy over yourself, it changes something. You can prophesy over your kids. You can prophesy over your marriage. You can prophesy over yourself. Well, pastor, that doesn't change anything. It changes the atmosphere. Tell me it don't change nothing. If you grew up in a household that was full of terrible language, terrible talk, negativity, and brokenness, if that produces brokenness, how come speaking life can't produce life? If marriages that continually fight or disorderly and frustrated and yelling and screaming produces death in the marriage and produces death in the kids, how come speaking life and love and hope over each other and over the family can't produce life? How can we give the devil more power than we give God? If you can prophesy death, you can prophesy life. And God has given us the ability in our tongues to proclaim God's word over our lives. He's given us the power of life and death in our tongue to begin to change some things spiritually, to see some things happen. Even in Romans chapter 4, it says this. In the King James, everybody said, Oh, Lord, not the King James. I have made thee, E, a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth. I can't even say those words, Quickeneth. The dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Do you realize the entire Bible is nothing more than a bunch of stories of God calling something that wasn't as if it was? Do you realize in the Genesis story, in Genesis 3, Eve just commits a terrible sin? She's fallen, they're broken, there's some disruption there. And immediately Adam begins to call her name Eve. Why does he call her Eve? It says at the end of chapter 3, it says, because she's the mother of all living things. She hadn't had a baby yet. So the Bible calls her the mother of all living things before she ever has a single child. God is calling you some things, even though you don't see it yet. And until you come into agreement with what God says and begin to release that over your life, you're never going to experience God's best for your life. Maybe you need to release some things over your marriage this year. Maybe you've had a rough couple of years. Maybe it's time to, to change the language from death to life. Maybe for your kids, maybe it's time to change the language from death to life. Maybe for your walk with Jesus. It's time to start speaking life over your walk instead of death over your walk. You have the power. Never ever is there an empty word. Every word is full of something. What something are you gonna allow to feel those words? This is my encouragement to you. You pick one word to be your guide and your filter for all of 2022. You pick one word that can can be your filter of life, that that will impact your life spiritually, physically, relationally, in every area of your life. This one word, if I can just focus on this one word, not a as resolution. There's enough of that that never gets done. But one word, I said, this is going to be the word that I empower, I agree with, I stand on for 2022. And if I do, maybe my 22 will look different than my 2021. So discover your one word, which I have mine, and I'll I'll share it in a second. Your one word, this is what you need to do. One, you need to reflect. You need to reflect. What's the one thing that if I cut out of my life, my life would be dramatically different? What's the one thing if I added to my life this year, it would be dramatically different? What's one thing that I need to focus on that I haven't focused on years before that is really a game changer for me? What, what's one thing that just really produces life in me or faith in me or hope in me? And begin to reflect deep down inside, what's that one thing that seems to be the glue that connects everything else together? Right, and as you begin reflecting and discovering, then visualize, if I had that one thing or if that one thing was the filter, how much better would my life be? How much healthier would I be? How, much, how stronger? How much stronger would I be? and then make a list, and after you make this list, that's how I did mine, make a list, and you narrow it down to three or four, and then you begin to pray about what you're one would be. So there's plenty of words up there. gratitude. Maybe for you, gratitude is the word that you need to use as a filter over everything. Maybe God has blessed you, but sometimes you're just not grateful enough. Maybe you're not grateful enough for your spouse or for your kids or for your job. Maybe that word gratitude would just empower you to live life in a more positive way. Maybe it's celebrate. Maybe You deal with jealousy. Maybe you say, well, I just want to celebrate others. I want to celebrate my spouse. I want to celebrate my kids. I want to celebrate, you know, as pastors, celebrate other churches. I want to celebrate each other. I want to celebrate other people. Maybe for you, you're busy and chaotic. You want to simplify. Maybe it's joy. Maybe it's boldness. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's health. Maybe you want to get healthy this year healthy physically and spiritually, relationally, in your marriage, with your relationships, whatever it may be. Maybe it's joy. Maybe it's rest. Maybe it's inspire. Maybe it's discipline. Maybe you live an undisciplined life. You said, you know what? If I was just more disciplined, I feel like my life would be more positive and more healthy. Like, what's, what's the one word that would change the game for you? Like, mine, after I narrowed it down, I had a bunch. Mine I had Connect, but mine came down to this. It's the word Flourish. And word flourish because flourish means to grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way, especially as the result of a particularly favorable environment. And I'd already known that this year was a year for me to connect with other people in prayer. That God has shown me a couple of places I need to go and just pray. There's a monastery in New Mexico. I just want to go sit for five days and sit at the feet of Jesus and seek him and pray in an environment where I can grow spiritually. There's some people I want to connect with. I want to be in environments this year where I'm flourishing for my inner man outwardly so I'm gonna be a greater blessing to my marriage, a greater blessing to my kids, a greater blessing to our church, a greater blessing to our community. So my word is flourish. So I'm gonna use that word to filter and guide my 2022. I'm not gonna be found in environments that don't help me flourish. I'm not gonna invest in relationships that don't help me flourish. I'm going to place myself in environments that I can vigorously grow in. Because if I can grow, you can grow. If I can grow, my kids can grow. My word is flourish. So for you, what would your word be? There's one word. To be the guiding compass, the focal point for this year, what would it be? I'm going to give you a second to do that in just a minute. As you discover that one word, you need to attach a scripture, a Bible verse alongside of it to stand on. Mine is the whole Psalm 92 about flourishing in the courts of God, producing fruit there forevermore. That is, that is my scripture for the year. But for you, what would yours be? And as you think through it, those key changes you got is not a trick. We want you to write your word on that keychain, Because most of you, everywhere you go, you have your keys with you. You'll see that word. Maybe for you, you're artistic. You can go home, paint a picture with your word on it. Maybe for you, you're a graphic designer or a cross-stitcher. Maybe you cross-stitch your word. You need your word to be visible because it is the guiding compass for your 2022. It's how you filter decisions, how you filter behavior, how you filter relationships, how you filter commitments. This one word that can be the guiding light for 2022. What would your word be? What would your word be? Maybe it's a year that coming out of sickness, and maybe, maybe it's just healing. Maybe mental health-wise, it's healing. Maybe you just want to get whole, body, soul, and spirit this year. Maybe that's your word. Maybe it's restoration or reconciliation. Maybe there's been years of family drama, and this is the year that you want to see those things reconciled and restored. So for you, restoration may be the word for you. Maybe it's deeper. Maybe for you it's just going deeper in prayer, deeper in God's word, deeper in the things of His spirit. Maybe it's connection. Maybe you're not connected. Maybe your word, you want to be connected more to the body of Christ and the ministry of God or to other people and other believers. Like, what is your word? That word will then transform you as you empower that word and agree with that word. So as we dismiss in just a second, I'm going to pray. There's keychains and Sharpies all across the room, upstairs and both sides. We want you to do this. We want you to write down your word. If you don't do it today, throughout the week and then post it on whatever your social media is with that hashtag, one word chapel and tag us in it, so that way we can keep those, so we can share those back at the end of the year with you. But Father, we thank you that life and death are in the power of the tongue. But Father, we thank you that you have used your mouth, your voice, your tongue to produce life in us. Father, we pray that as you begin to speak more and more clearly to us, that we can echo your words over us, not the words of in-laws, or parents, or ex-spouses, or friends, or family, or whoever it may be, Father, we begin to echo the words of heaven, not the words of this world. So, Father, I pray for everyone in this room, for them to have a God picture of the Word you have in store for them. Father, I pray right now under the sound of my voice, they begin to see those words light up in their minds. I pray you begin going to impress those words upon their spirits. Father, I pray as they read your, your Word, they see their Word right there in a rainbow. Father, I pray as they agree with that word that it empowers their life to produce life forevermore. Produce fruit of love and hope and joy and peace and growth. And Father, above all things, that the lives they live give you glory and you honor in Jesus' name and all God's people said.